This is your host, Shaw Mortides, for episode 19 of Cox by 90. Woo-wee, I love me a good Gamecock crow in the morning. And I had to give you all one, as I'm having my first ever guest later on this episode. Some might refer to him as the Midnight Rider. And others might refer to him as Mr. Blonde. But a special guest nonetheless, somebody I've always respected with their work that they've done on the Big Spur message boards, always keeping me up to date on prospects, bringing some good chatter out there. So excited for you all to get to listen to him. And man, we're going to talk some great shop too. I can't wait just to deep dive into some of these topics that we got to talk about. God, I mean... He's just a blast to talk to, so excited to bring him on. But first, you know, we got to address the elephant in the room. It was uh, it was a roller coaster of emotions last week, and I, you know, quite frankly, that's the life of a Gamecock fan, right? You have the highs, you have the lows, and sometimes they hit you all right in the same day, within a couple hour hours of each other. So. I mean, it was tough. Don't get me wrong. My emotions when Marshawn Lloyd, when I first got the message last week that there was quite possibly a season-ending injury that happened to him, I didn't want to put it out there. I, I know I had teased it a little bit on Twitter, saying that you know the message um, was not going to be good for Gamecock fans, and I didn't. You know, you never want to release something like that until you get four, five, six confirmed sources. And and quite frankly, I'm not going to be the one that puts out there that Lloyd tore his ACL because that's just that's, – I'd rather have Coach Muschamp and our athletic department putting that information out there. But, man, was that a tough text to get. That was a tough – I mean, it was tough when it was released, you know, because you saw, you saw the promise. You saw it all throughout – the spring, the summer, the beginning of fall camp. You've heard me say it here on this podcast numerous times. Everybody inside that program had him pegged to have a Lattimore-esque type freshman year, right? And ultimately, losing a guy like that, there, there is no way to replace him with one person. It's going to be... It's going to have to come from a committee of guys, right? Uh, we're looking at Zaquandre White. We're looking at Fenwick. We're looking at Amos. And we're looking at our bowling ball, Kevin Harris. So not one of those guys is going to be able to replace what Lloyd was bringing to the table. I think it's going to have to be a quartet of guys to make up for the loss of him. And I tell you, man, you know, there's – 
there's some tough times in Glencock history. I'll never forget the first Lattimore injury, right? I think everybody will remember that Tennessee game. Then he goes down at Mississippi State. But, you know, it, it's tough for me to sit here and compare Lloyd to a Gamecock great who had proved himself. But, again, everything coming out of the program, positive young man, doing everything right. I just – I hate to see it, right? I hate to see – I hate to see somebody's career to get off to a bad start. And quite frankly, a running back with an ACL injury, it always is, it's definitely, you know, how do I put it into words? It's, it's concerning, right? Because you never know how they're going to bounce back. Again, all indications, Marshawn Lloyd, outstanding young man, outstanding athlete, athleticism across the board. But... Trusting your knee, trusting yourself to be able to cut, to bend, to move like you did pre-injury. You know, in reading this, this was a non-contact injury. I don't know if that helps the cause or hurts the cause even more for the fact that, you know, planning and cutting. But at the same time, it's just, you know, I, again, I, I'm not going to jump to conclusions because we still have another three, four years of this young man but it is it's concerning now because when you have somebody like a Marshawn Lloyd so touted across the board you just you never want to know what could have been especially with a freshman campaign like this 10 game SEC schedule opening up with Tennessee at home but you can't, you know, the past is the past, right? And I, and I tweeted it out, hey, next man up, right? That's, that's the mantra you got to have. I know Muschamp and company are preaching that to our guys. Next man up. It's simple as that. Win anyway. Whatever you mantra you want to use, that, that's what you got to take moving forward. Again, I think it's a quartet of guys. Everything that I've heard about White from inside the program, I know Big Spurs covered it a good amount. You know, the guy, he, he came on with some of the most athleticism we've seen on our team to date. Putting it all together, learning the playbook, he could be special. Kevin Harris showed some flashes last year. You know, I, I, I still have to believe that Fenwick can be a capable SEC back. Is he your starter? Probably not. Is he your second string guy? Probably not. But is he your guy that can come in there and spell about five carries a game? You need somebody like that. We're going to need somebody like that. I could see right now, and again, I, shoot, I'm not discounting Amos. I think from what I've heard, he could be a surprise this year. But you're going to have to have a mix of you know 15 carries, 10, and 5. Ultimately, you know, we were set up to be a running team this year behind Lloyd, what that does for Bobo in the offense, do we open it up a little bit more? You got Jalen Brooks and the Gamecock you know, media team putting out these amazing graphics of him. Ex- extraordinary catches in the end zone. Again, against nobody. But you know, do you open up your passing game more? You know, Colin Hill, shoot, watch more highlights of him today from some of the practices. Guy's got a cannon arm. Helensky's got an arm too. He's got a quick release. But ultimately... 
how does this affect Bobo and his mindset going into the season? Because what I was hearing, we were thinking 55 run, 45 pass, playing the time of possession game. We'll see how this does. You know, you got to trust your running backs. You got to trust your offensive line. The offensive line hasn't changed, right? We still got a great front five. We've got some strong depth there too. But ultimately, not having the bell cow, not having a guy like Lloyd tote the rock, it'll be interesting to see how Bobo moves forward with his game plan on offense. That being said, the roller coaster, when it hit rock bottom – Boy, as heck, did it shoot right up, and we got our man. We got Gunner Stockton. You all heard me say that name back in December when Bobo was hired. You've heard me hinted it for months now that things were trending positive for the Gamecocks. I tweeted out that there was big news coming, and it was at the beginning of August. I had heard through my sources that he was going to make his decision before high school started quite frankly and and that happened right it came in the form of a commitment last week one that I think is going to be a strong held commitment that we won't have to worry about as long as Muschamp Bobo and Connor Shaw are with us no doubt in my mind and I think Gunnar Stockton could be the guy if you're able to weather this season have a you know, again, I don't even want to get to 2021, but have a respectable enough season next year where you have to get to a bowl game to keep Muschamp and the staff intact. Then you bring in Gunnar Stockton. You bring in a Marshawn Lloyd coming off injury. This would be his second year. I mean, Stockton's one of those guys that could come in and start right away. Compete for the job day one. Absolutely, no doubt about it. He's got the skills. I've watched the highlights. I've watched him a ton. (sighs) There's a reason why he's the number one dual threat quarterback in the nation. There's a reason why he's five-star. You don't peg five stars unless they have the ability to be the best, especially at the quarterback position. The quarterback position, it takes a unique person to get that five-star rating. It sure, it sure does. I've watched a couple interviews from the young man after the commitment, and just you could just tell. I mean, the guy, oh, man. I, it's just it brings excitement. It really does. I mean, he has that cool, calm, collective personality, but I could tell it's one of those contagious type ones, especially at the quarterback position, not too cocky, just confident, right? Quiet confidence, knowing that he can get the job done. And you've heard me say it numerous times before. That boat's at the dock. Those sails are going up. The motor's getting trimmed. And when you're getting to set, getting ready to set sail, you always want to have your quarterback in the boat first. We're already at the 2021 class. Now we're looking for the 2022 and we've already got our captain on board. Gunnar Stockton is going to help recruit lights out for this coaching staff as long as they stay in place. Absolutely, no doubt in my mind, we can have a serviceable season this year, and that, to me, is 500. 
Yeah, you have to get to 500. Bowl game next year. And then, quite frankly, with the names that are being thrown out there right now for that 2022 class, and I think we're going to finish the 2021 class on a strong note. I plan to talk to Mr. Blonde a ton here in a little bit about that class, but I think there's going to be a good finish to that class. And then you parlay that into a great 2022 class. So what that commitment does for us, again, it, it took us from a low point to a high point, right? The, the, the tough news it took the wind out of your sails when you hear about Marshawn Lloyd, but then it brings them right back up when you get Gunner on the ship. So the life of a Gamecock fan, that was a perfect example last week. I have a great girlfriend. I told her the news about Marshawn Lloyd, and she, I mean, you could tell her reaction. She had known how much I had been talking about him, how devastating that was. So, I, you know, it just, everybody kind of knew he was going to be the guy. He was definitely going to be the guy this year. Bobo's offense was going to be centered around him. And like I said before, I'm curious to see how this affects the game plan moving forward. Does it switch from the 55-45 running to throwing to now 55-45 throwing, running, and quite frankly could get higher than that, a 60-40 you know, passing attack to a rushing attack. So you always want to be balanced, right? At the end of the day, when you're looking at your stat sheets, there is no doubt about it. And, you know, I've played a a number of football in my days. Our best statistics were when we – and we were a heavy running team. But when we were able to mix in a little bit of the pass and get as close to 50 as 50 as possible to keep the defense guessing, right? You have to keep the defense guessing. And if they know you're going to run every single time, they're going to stack the box. If they know you're going to pass every time, shoot, put drop seven in coverage, rush four. In the SEC, you rush four. You probably got two studs coming off the edge. It's just going to be interesting to see how Bobo moves forward with, you know, Marshawn being out. But definitely a tough, tough news and a tough loss. So those were the two big headlines coming out of last week. This week, I'll tell you, fall practice is underway. Full pads are on. There is popping going on. And I tell you, it's gotten me to the point where, again, I can smell the football. I could taste it in my mouth. Seeing some of these upgrades done at the stadium has me even more excited to get inside there this year. You know, allowing 20,000 fans, I'm hoping that I'm one of those 20,000 fans. You know, being a season ticket holder for a long time, it's just something, you know, heck, you know, Williams-Brice Stadium, that feel is just, it's just in your blood. It's something that fall rolls around. You, you hear Tiger Woods talk about his body getting in major shape, like it knows when the majors are coming. Like, my body knows when football season's coming. Like, it just feels a little different. Like, right now, my body is, like, preparing itself for, 11 to 12 straight Saturdays of a dang good time. And and it's like, it's conditioned to do that. Quite frankly, like it's conditioned to just, you know, I start off with a couple transfusions, throw in, hey, you know, a shot or there too. I mean, it's a good time, right? It's tailgating is a dang good time. My body knows that the tailgating food's coming, knows that I'm going to be picking on some barbecue, smoking up some ribs, Shucking some oysters, 
with as many dang noon games as we have, Bloody Marys, mimosas, a lot of water. I am excited about a little later start to the season too, so we're all not passing out inside the stadium or tailgating-wise, right, with heat exhaustion. But quite frankly, my body is just telling me it's time for football season. Football season's here. And that's got me pumped, pretty pumped up. (laughs) So football season around the corner, pads are on, and that leads me into my first guess ever on the Cox by 90 podcast. All right, everybody, the moment you've all been waiting for, the first ever guest on the Cox by 90 podcast. I've chosen a special one, a special one who I think you all are going to enjoy. Some might refer to him as the Midnight Rider, and others might refer to him as Mr. Blonde. But I am happy to introduce somebody who I've looked up to on the Big Spur, who I've sat there and watched put post after post, comment after comment, helping Gamecocks and the Big Spur chatter amongst each other better than I've ever seen anywhere else. And I'm going to bring him in now. Mr. Blonde is my first guest on Cox by 90. How's it going? It's going, brother. It's going, show me. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. I, I, I'll tell you, I hope you didn't build it up too much. I, I hope your uh, audience wasn't uh, maybe expecting Marcus Lattimore or Connor Shaw, and then they get Mr. Blonde. <laughs> but uh, we'll certainly kill this thing, man. I uh, love doing the roundtable with you, and uh, very honored and pleased to be with you. Absolutely. So, hey, a little backstory to all my you know listeners Mr. Blonde, as you refer to him on the Big Spur, Midnight Rider on Twitter, we've been doing the roundtable together on the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast for, shoot, about a couple months now, right? We've been having a bunch of fun with Cockfather and Cinderella, and I said, hey, you know, what other guy would I want to kick it off than with one of my Coxmen himself? And so we're going to speak a little Coxpool to you today, and I can't wait to get into some of these topics, man, because... Shooting Gamecock talk with Mr. Blonde. Shoot, I'm just a privilege to be talking to him right now. So, hey, you know, looking at this, let's just get it kick-started. Monday, AP poll drops. Let me get your thoughts on the top 25. Any surprises there for you? Uh, surprises? I, I can I, I don't – I guess mate, not really. Tennessee at 25, that's – I can understand that. They they finished last year on, on a bit of a tear and I think won six straight, including a bowl game. Um what 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 I noticed is that six of those teams are on our ten game schedule, <laughs> which may you know, may, maybe that shouldn't be all that uh you know out of the ordinary. But I also noticed Kentucky wasn't in there and they probably didn't need a whole lot of extra motivation, but now they got it. Uh luckily we get them at the end of the year. And I mean I, I think Again, going back to Tennessee, I think it's a big opportunity in week one for a top 25 win. I think that's a game that we can win. Uh, You know, then week two, should you win week one, uh, you know, go down to Florida, which is a team that we've had a second half lead on two years in a row. Uh, We don't have to get into all the 
uh, unbelievably bad calls last year. But And, Jeff, I saw a Barstool Sports guy on Twitter today. I, I don't know if you saw it, but he got the uh, odds live and in person, and he said, I mean, that's the easiest bet of the week. I'm going to take – I'm going to take Tennessee minus the two and a half. They're going to beat the expletive out of South Carolina. So I hope we can prove them wrong. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, six teams in the top 25 on our schedule probably could have, should have been seven. So, hey, at least football's here, and let's see what we can do with it. I love it. And I think, you know, six teams in the top 25, right? I'm looking at it there. You got the Taters at number one. You've got Georgia, Georgia at number four, LSU at six, Florida at eight, Auburn at 11, A&M at 13. Shoot, that's, you know, we're not playing the Taters, but oh my God, like that would have been six of the top 13. Instead, we've got five of the top 13 and six of the top 25. I don't know how Tennessee stunk their way in there. They just are just stinking up the rear end of that top 25, like a nasty old cockaboose in the back. Like, it is just smelly. It's hillbilly smelly is what it is for that number 25. I love it. I love how it sets up. I love that we're getting Tennessee at 25. We're going to get a ranked opponent coming into Williams-Brice Stadium with 20,000 rowdy cocks. Cock fans. I should say, (laughs) but it's going to be wild. It's going to be great. And there's nothing better than beating that burnt orange. So we're looking at that schedule, Mr. Blonde, not only did I love starting with Tennessee, but boy, did I love starting with a ranked Tennessee because guests is the last ranked opponent that must champ is beat. You know who it is? Uh, not right off top. I'm messing with you. It's Georgia, but before that, oh, it was yeah. Tennessee. <laughs> oh, don't forget about that number three win last year. Yeah, I know I put you on the spot there, but <laughs> that should have been an easy one. Oh, but no, I mean, before that miracle in Athens, Tennessee, that last upset, I was there. I actually had some great seats for that game, but shoot, what a a game for Bentley, game for Edwards. I mean, that night was special, right? And I think that's where uh, we could say that we thought we saw we saw some exciting things for the future, and it didn't it didn't exactly pan out the way we wanted to. But the last time a ranked Tennessee team came into Williams Bryce, we beat them down. I'm hoping it's another night game again, and we're gonna put some sad burnt orange back into the place that they should be, and that's back in the cellar where they belong. So. Yeah, I uh, another gauntlet Gamecock schedule, and I, you know, it's something we got to navigate. You play in the SEC, that's what we sell to recruits, right? We play in the SEC, we play the toughest schedules. Put on your big boy pants. You're gonna put one foot in, then you're gonna put that second foot in. You put your pants on just like everybody else, and it's time to rock and roll. So I'm excited to get that kick started. You know, who I guess looking at our schedule, who do you think's the toughest that we got, just based off matchup? That that one's kind of a that one's kind of a tough one for me. I'll give you three. How about that? I'll hit them. I'll hit. I knew I'll it was on. coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I'll, I'll hit on rather quickly. I, I would say it's it's at LSU, at Florida, and Georgia at home. I mean, look who who knows if LSU will be you know that good. Clearly, they're not going to be as good as they were last year, but they're still ultra talented. I mean, they got the best wide receiver 
in the country, probably in Jamar Chase. They got the best defensive back in the nation, most likely, and Stingley. And and here's something to keep an eye out for. One of the best true freshmen in the country and tied in Eric Gilbert. That dude, I think, is probably going to make mm. a case for all SEC. But, I mean, look, you know, they, they, re- they have recruited great as always, and that – and. Playing in Death Valley, which is the real Death Valley. I mean, that's still a tough venue. You're damn right it is. Probably the toughest in college football, whether it's uh, 25% capacity or not. It'll probably be a night game. Georgia's the most talented team on our schedule, probably the top defense in the country. I mean, there's a lot of height on the quarterback, Newman, and big expectations for him right out of the gate. I'm, I'm not sold, but I, I, I'm not shooting it down either. I've got, I'm in show-me mode. Uh, but I mean, they they got a tough stretch. I mean, this this ten game all SEC schedule is no joke for anybody. And we get them, you know, we get them at the end of the year, which is on you know what is traditionally rivalry rivalry week, Clemson week. So that's pretty, you know that that's that's pretty exciting. And then Florida at Florida week two, they were my pick to win the East. Show me uh, before the revised schedule. I don't know that they're still not. Um, I'm a little bit more coin flip on it between Georgia and, and Florida now, but there's no staff turnover there. I mean, they return all their primary playmakers at the offensive skill positions. They did lose a good bit on defense. Um, they actually have the best tight end in the country uh, in Kyle Pitts, and he's going to be a problem. He's going to be a, a, a matchup. But, you know, I'm kind of looking at Izzy McQuamu mm-hmm. as maybe a, a – a matchup there to watch. And then getting them in game two was probably a disadvantage for us because we had so much turnover in a new offensive system and they didn't. But so those, those would be my three toughest games. If I had to pick one out of the bunch, uh, I'm going to have to go at LSU, man. Okay. I, uh, I mean, Mr. Blonde, you always, I love your in-depth analysis. And I think that's what I always, and still admire you know, about what you've done with the big spur, right? And looking at our schedule, right, I've circled a couple different games. Just like you, right, I think there could be three. Ultimately, hey, that Florida at Florida is going to be a tough test. I don't think the expectations are going to be there for us to win that game. So ultimately, when I was deciding on who I think our toughest game would be, it came down to realistically, who can we beat? It's probably going to be a home game. Because in my mind, that's where we expect to win, right? And who have we beaten in the past to set ourselves up for our fan base to believe that we should beat them this year, right? Because we always set those unrealistic expectations as Gamecock fans that if we beat them the previous year, we got to beat them the next year, right? Right. And so with all that being said, it's the Georgia Bulldogs is my toughest matchup. And hey, there's no – let's look at it, right? Hey, they're the, the highest ranked team. That could be one thing that said why they're toughest matchup. But what points to me is we beat them last year. I think you get a mindset for your fan base that, hey, we beat them last year. That means that we should beat them this year. Okay, that, that, that could be credible in a number of different things. But in football, in any given Sunday or any given Saturday at this point, you look at your home slate, you look coming into that game where I believe we're probably going to be sitting. And then again, this is kind of a little future heads up as to where my mindset's at for a record predictor. But I'm thinking we're coming in that game four and four. So if you're coming in that game four and four, you've got the Gamecocks on a high, right? Because if you're coming in that game four and four, 
You've beaten a team that you shouldn't have beaten at that point, maybe two. And that fifth win, again, saying we get to that point, is for a bowl game. So there's a lot of pressure right there. You're at home. You're playing a team you beat last year. You're shooting for a bowl game. You're shooting for another upset, which they're probably going to be top five, top three in the country. For me, mentally, emotionally, (laughs) with it being on rivalry weekend, right? Like that even sets the stage even more. The expectations even that much higher, right? And you beat them last year. So for me, it's the Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm just hoping we get to that game, right? You know, again, we've talked. It's trending in a positive direction. We're feeling good. But if we get to that Georgia game, oh, it'll be on. It'll be on like Donkey Kong. And I will just be – I don't care if they're saying you can't tailgate or not. I'll be tailgating in my place in Columbia. I might just be running down to the stadium. I'm going to be so dang happy getting there if we're four and four. So – that's where I'm at. I'm excited. Again, looking at the schedule, bunch of great games. I love a 10-game SEC slate. I mean, especially being a season ticket holder, I'll tell you, you kind of you don't have your cupcake games in there, and you say, hey, they made up for it by giving you an Auburn game at home now. And then paired with everything that we got, Tennessee, you got Georgia at home. That's a nice-looking five-game slate for us. So looking forward to that. You know, Mr. Blonde, I know your specialty is recruiting. Who am I kidding, right? You love the Gamecocks, but you love you some recruiting. You love some recruiting. And I, I admire that. I admire your passion for it. You pick up on more things that I think others don't in regards to what you see, again, social media, through your connections. And so I've always admired that. Looking at our recruiting class right now, who's your favorite? My favorite, all right, I can't give you one again. How about I give you two? Right. <laughs> so my favorite, uh, my favorite show me are Nick Barrett out of North Carolina and Jaden Johnson. And Barrett, I mean, I, I think this guy is super freak talented. You, there's not a guy on our on our roster right now that's 330 pounds and virtually has as little fat a, as Barrett does. I mean, he's out of Eastern North Carolina, which for anybody that really follows recruiting, it's really off the beaten path. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's an area where a lot of guys get um, overlooked because you know you got to drive forty five minutes to an hour off an interstate just to get there, as opposed to going to Charlotte or Atlanta, where you, you know you can fly in or drive in and hit thirty five schools in you know in a couple of hours. So, but I mean, and, and in terms of that, think guys like Pharaoh Cooper. Corey Robinson, Mohammed Kaba. I mean, mm. I mean this. That, Beat that's, me. <laughs> right. I mean, and that, and that's kind of the the part of North Carolina we're talking about. But I mean, he's. I think he's super talented. I think. Uh, <clears throat> I think he's that zero technique that really Javon Kinlaw has only been the the real true one we've had, and even he slimmed down, you know, three hundred pounds and almost played more of a traditional, you know, uh, four man down interior D-line tackle beside Kobe Smith, who I think was very underrated and appreciated, and that's why he's on an NFL roster right now, too. And then with Johnson, I mean, he's got huge upside at safety. Uh, he's got great film, great ball skills, athleticism, got a lot of length. I think that kid is pushing 6'2", 6'3". Maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but, I mean, the kid obviously ha- still has another year of high school. I mean, Show me, he plays like five positions. 
on, on his team, quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker, safety. If he doesn't outgrow safety, and that, and that's something to consider that that I'm you know we heard Muschamp say that they're looking at maybe taking a couple more defensive backs in a really tight class, which we'll get into that you know in a minute. Um, but I think that's a guy that could be a linebacker, but they're kind of looking at safety right now. But we got to see how he develops physically. But I mean, dude, I, I love this guy. And listen, to me, both are absolute four stars in my opinion. I don't say that about every one of our recruits, and, and you know, but and and both would probably probably prove really tough to hold on to in a traditional year with summer camps and uh, campus visits. So I think we're benefiting in that regard with those guys, whereas, you know, maybe maybe we're, we're on, on the, you know, non-beneficiary end of not being able to get some guys on the campus right now that I think we might have a chance to flip or make a good case for. But Nick Barrett and Jaden Johnson are my favorite two players in the, in the class. I love it. Nicholas Barrett is just a monster. He, I mean, he, you all have heard me say it here on this podcast before. It's not just me. It's not just Mr. Blonde. It's guys inside the program that know that that guy is vastly underrated. He's going to be somebody that's a freak. He's going to be a staple on our defensive line for years to come. But Mr. Blonde, my guy, is a bad, bad man. It's George Wilson coming Love off it. the edge. I'm telling you, I love – again, this is my comparison, that Dante Fowler Jr. comparison, right? I love Long, it. lean, mean, freak, disruptive, 6'5", man-child. Best buck Will Muschamp ever had. And that's where it makes his system so great. If you've got a great buck and you can sit there and take that individual, move him around, move him in space, Will Muschamp's defense thrives off of a great buck. George Wilson, outside of Birch, who I think Birch will be that guy, George Wilson's going to give you more chess pieces to work with next year. Again, I love Nicholas Barrett. Don't get me wrong. This is like 1A, 1B. But George Wilson is my guy. And I think he's going to end up, at the end of the day, will be one of those players that we're going to say is the glue for Muschamp's defense for years to come. So I had to go George Wilson there, you know, And he was a part of, I would say, one of my dream finish scenarios. So looking at this, I think we got, what, five, six spots left, maybe some decommitments coming down the line because we might, I don't want to say up recruit, but we out recruit the position to where, again, I think we might have a better season than some people expect. So give me this, Mr. Blonde. How about this? Give me your dream recruiting finish to this class right now. Well, my dream scenario and, and trying to base it in, you know, reality and, and actually guys that, that we've got a shot with or that we're involved with, some have visited or most have, a few have not. But, I mean, it starts with Tyreon Ingram Dawkins right here in the upstate. And for your listeners, I am behind enemy lines. I have resided behind enemy lines up here for most of my life. <laughs> but I feel good about that kid. Now, he, he, he certainly loves the process. Uh, show me and, and he uh he might tend to tell different schools uh what they want to hear but he did just release 
a, a social media edit where he said South Carolina and Tennessee were the leaders. Georgia was a contender and Alabama was a dark horse. I do think it's between those top two, really, Tennessee and South Carolina, and that's the number one priority. I'll go Justice Boone next, who, who was a defensive end in Sumter. We just signed his teammate from last year, o, uh, O'Donnell Fortune, a defensive back. Um, listen, he's committed to Florida. He just got offered by Ohio State. But, I mean, you can't visit anywhere right now, right? It, but Except he and his mother can come visit South Carolina on, on, on their own diamond time. So I'm kind of holding out hope, uh, hope for him. Now, now Muschamp seemed to indicate they were only going to take one more defensive lineman. So if you get Dawkins, I don't know. I don't know how hard they, they press for Boone, but I, I'd like to sign those two. Then Michael Trigg, uh, it, to me, is a must get. I know we've got a lot of numbers at tight end, a lot of young guys at tight end. So it's going to be hard to take two and two of our better prospects that we have a decent chance of signing are actually uh, both tight ends. And Michael Trigg, a top 100 player in the nation from Florida, and then uh, Bryson Nesbitt, a legacy, whose dad, Jamar, is our sideline reporter. So dream scenario, TID, Boone, Trigg, and then a pool party, Shawmy, to borrow a phrase from you. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Poole, Muschamp said we want another linebacker. I say stay on that kid. He just committed to NC State. I, I feel like there were, were a lot of implications that he actually delayed his decision right after both an, a, a, a virtual official visit to South Carolina and a Zoom call. Um, he has not been here. Uh, I'm pretty certain on that. But, again, this is a kid who him and his mom or him and his coach or him and his dad could, could, come, could come and check everything out without having interaction, you know, with the staff. And, and man, I would – and here's another thing. Watch NC State. And, you know, uh, their coach – Everybody wants to talk about Muschamp being on the hot seat. I, I think his seat's warming up as well, so that's something to watch. And then, so TID, Boone, Trigg, Poole, and then I'd say a top-tier cornerback. I don't know how realistic Nylon Green is. Would love to have him. The competition's stiff, uh, and, and that would be, what, five? So, And then I would say hopefully we get like a headlining wide receiver like a Keon Coleman, a Jordan Mosley, or a Breon Pass. None of those have visited all of them are either committed to other schools or committed to play another sport. So, but you know, who knows? Maybe things relax, things keep trending, trending the way they are, and we're able to get one of those guys on campus and flip them. I love it. You were reading right off my notebook. I just showed you everything, didn't I? <laughs> I think your dream scenario, like many others, myself, people on the Big Spur, Gamecock Central, whatever site you're reading. Shoot, the athletic, you know, Josh Kendall. People might be following that guy. Who knows? <laughs> oh, not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so dream finish for me, Mr. Blonde. You come out right out the gates and you have a pool party and you flip Jordan pool. We're splashing along. Everybody's dancing, having a good time at this pool party. We flip Jordan pool. Then the music starts playing. And all of a sudden, Justice Bone shows up to the party and says, I want to stay in state. I want to be a Gamecock. So Boone comes in. Boone joins the pool party. Then we come from Alabama. They trek a couple states, and we say, hey, I mean, again, unfortunate for Marshawn Lloyd what happened, but Jalen White says, shoot, y'all's offense, y'all are looking like something to be reckoned with. You got some young guys. 
You also got a Gunner Stockton coming in at quarterback. I want to be a part of this pool party too. So you got Jalen White coming in the mix, right? You get that extra running back, that extra security behind Lloyd, which I think is what we need, right? At the end of the day, injuries are a part of the game, but you got to have somebody in every class ready to step up. So you have a couple people that are dancing at the pool party. They're having a good time. They're swimming. One of them is coming in and doing a backflip, and that's Michael Trigg because he's athletic as can be. He gets on the diving board and does a backflip in, says, I'm all in. I, no, he didn't say I'm all in. Screw Dabo. He says, I'm in this boat, right? Business decision. I'm on board. So you got pool. You got Boone. You got White. You got Trigg. And then all of a sudden, I love it when you call me Big Papa. You got the notorious TID walks into the party. Big Papa pumps playing. Everybody's going nuts. TID saying, ain't no way I'm leaving this state. I love it when you call me Big Papa. And he is literally just going on and on. Staying in state. Going to be with the Cox. So TID jumps on board. And then Mr. Blonde. We have an amazing season. Such a great season that J.C. Horn and Izzy McQuamu are looking to the NFL, right? And some big-time stud quarterback, cornerback, says, I want to join this pool party too. And Nylon Green out of Covington, Georgia, steps in and says, I'm going to be a day-one starter on this SEC defense. I'm going to come play for DBU. And I'm going to play for South Carolina, and he's going to be the icing on the top of the cake, on the top of the cherry, on top of everything. And then I woke up because that was just a dream, right? It was all a dream, but that would be my dream scenario. Pool, Boone, White, Trig, TID, Green. I don't think it's a dream necessarily that we get a couple of those guys, but I do think if that they were all to fall, that's how it would happen. But man, Talk about a finish. What do you think? I mean, that type of finish, where do you think that puts us in the recruiting rankings we finish with those guys? If we finish with the guys that you and I were talking about, that would get us in the top 25. If there, if there's not much variation in where guys are ranked now based off the fact that some of them aren't even playing high school football like uh, George Wilson and Bryce Steele in Virginia, um, I, think we're probably, I think we're probably looking at landing around 30, but – I would just say there, there's there's a handful of guys that are extremely underrated in this class, and you know may, maybe some other time we can go through them all. We both mentioned several, but I mean that to me that would be huge because next year is shaping up, and especially like you say, if we have a decent season next year, now that we've got the top quarterback in the country committed, mm. is shaping up to be monumental. You, I mean, it's absolutely right, right? You know, I, I said it on, I think it was a couple episodes ago, you want to get the biggest fish in the boat first. And that's why you always see our quarterbacks commit. And with Gunner Stockton committed, if Huge. this team has a, again, a 500 season, that is an arrow pointing up for the Cox. And ultimately, it's setting you up to where you can get some big-time pieces in the boat. And again, the boat's at the dock. The sails are being lifted. The motor is trimming. Again, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about the season, but I think if we have a good finish to the season, recruiting will fall in line with it, and that dream scenario could happen. 
So talking about recruiting and this, what do you think, and again, we've studied recruiting for years, looking back at Muschamp's past classes, who do you think was our biggest miss since he's been here? Well, I'll say this. He hadn't missed on much. He he has on several, and several of which I would say have not really even proven anything yet. Like when you talk to your Reggie Grimes, your Jacurius Conley um, at North Carolina and Oklahoma, respectively. But the two that we missed, I think, were big ones. Um, and, you know, bad news, dog, to borrow a line from Denzel on training day. Uh, <laughs> One was committed to us at the position that we've struggled the most at in Muschamp's tenure, and the other was 10 minutes down the road and is going to make his debut in Columbia week one. Uh, the mm. first one is uh, Safety Homson Azero Dean from the Charlotte area, Concord. Uh, we had him committed. It was it kind of happened fast. Uh, he chose us over Alabama, Florida, and Florida State. Had him committed. Came on his official visit. Um, Jay Graham is is what happened there came back to bite us uh flip flipped the kid uh was, was good friends with his father flipped him to florida state and he's he's a starter there started last year and looks like he's going to be a, a, a you know a draft pick this year and clearly we all know that safety has been a struggle you know under this under much champ which i think nobody who would have thought that we would struggle at defensive back but sign uh three or four blue chip quarterbacks right <laughs> I mean, Un- oxymoronic. Like, right, right. I don't even know if that's a word. I know oxymoron is, but oxymoronic that that is what we're dealing with right now. We'll go with that. And if it wasn't a word, we'll get it trending so that it is. And then number two, <laughs> Jalen Hyatt, uh, the freshman wide receiver at Tennessee. And listen, I'm just, I'm just warning everybody. All the reports out of Knoxville is this kid's blowing up. Last week he was second team. Sounds like this. Sounds like he might be on the field when we take the first snap in Columbia. And let me tell you, the last time he was on the field, uh, he completely showed out for the state championship game for Dutch Fork last year. Uh, and he was also the Shrine Bowl MVP uh, for South Carolina last year. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and kick and, and stomp on BMAC, but I'll just say that that was a that was a big miss. Um, ho- hopefully, you know. His very first game is against us. He's coming home. You know, hopefully that's a deal where that's not a homecoming, but it's uh, his first game. And we've got – I do think we've got some better help in the secondary this year. But, you know, kind of looking at Jamie Robinson and J.C. Horn to keep that guy from making us look like a bunch of jackasses, Shaw. Mm. But, yeah, Thompson, Nazero Dean, the, uh, the uh, safety out of Concord, and Jalen Hyatt. Right down the road from Dutch Fork there in Columbia was, our, was to me, Muschamp's biggest misses. Those sting, man. Those shit stings like a dang hornet that's outside my house right now. I got these dang wasp nests everywhere. <laughs> I got but, yellow jackets out here bothering me on the porch. So I tell we're, you, in it, we're in it together, brother. So when you're talking about what stings the most, right? I tell you, Mr. Blonde. Midnight Rider. I am buying you a beer the next time I see you because I have Hamza down as number one, but I would have never been able to pronounce his last name the way you did perfectly. So I love that. That was absolutely just the way it it just came off your lips. It like it just like once it hits your lips, it was like, you know, kind of like old school drinking the beer. Like you just said it so perfect. You made it sound really good. 
but it stung at the same time, knowing how big of a safety miss we've had. You know, again, I don't, you know, looking back, we probably don't get beat 56 to seven by Clemson. Maybe we get beat like 49 to seven if we have a good safety play. But this is, this is the big thing though. 50, what was the final score? It was 52, what was the 35? It was 35, 56, right? Whatever. They ended up putting the late one. 2018, yeah. I think he makes a big difference in that game, right? Because he came in right away for Florida State and started playing immediately. He actually had Clemson on the ropes and was playing in that game where they Florida State had them um, close to upset. So I think Homs has got to be the guy. But I'll tell you, if I – and these were out of Muschamp's control, but these two guys would have kept DBU going. Mike Hughes and J.C. Jackson, man – those oh, two guys, absolute – I mean, we had Mike Hughes. We had him – literally, it was compliance, right? The all-ever yeah, compliance team at South Carolina. Our biggest – they are our toughest opponent on the schedule. Right. We have to beat our compliance team before we even start. So, for me, I, I had a feeling you were going to say Hamza. So, when I started doing some more digging – you're absolutely right. I went through the big spur, and kudos to them. I love this feature, and I think you all should check this out. So I went through recruiting classes, and I went back to anybody that ever did a visit to campus. They track that, right? And so looking at that, our percentage of hits that come to campus, and I know Muschamp always preaches that, right? We got to get you to campus and show you what you got. And I, hit, I think we're hitting on about a 93% hit ratio for guys that come to campus and commit to South Carolina. That's why it's so important to get them in for the official visit. I think that's why you heard us say at the end of last year with Jordan Birch to seal the deal right, you had to get them on that official visit because there's just things you can do on that visit that you can't do anywhere else. And that's why you get them in there. But that being said, the J.C. Jackson and the Mike Hughes, Mike Hughes a first-round draft pick, right? Went Ended up getting drafted by the Vikings – could have kept the DBU first-round pick going for the Gamecocks. I have no doubt that he would have been a stud here. J.C. Jackson's playing alongside our man Gilmore up in New England, starting right up there. That should be two Coxmen, literally one on the left side, one on the right side, just straight shutting down the Bostonians and anybody coming up there into New England's house. So those two are tough for me, right? Again, you try and battle your own internal team, your toughest person on the schedule, and they're always – and they don't, they're don't. they like week zero because you got to beat them to get people eligible, right? I feel good about Jalen Brooks getting eligible. I'm just going to go ahead and plug that in there. No doubt about that. But it's our compliance team. You never know. And that is a little NCAA, too, action. So, I mean, it's not all as much internal as it has been, but – those two stung, man. That stung. Yeah, not, I'm not going to be redundant. You actually, I guess you're reading my notes too. But, yeah, I was going to say, you know, Hughes and Jackson, or, or Hughes drafted early, Jackson starting opposite Gilmore for, you know, for the best defense in the NFL. But I, I don't pin those on Muschamp, uh, you know, to your point. I pin those on the NCAA. But absolutely, considering what we just talked about, you know, uh in terms of the secondary and more specific, both those guys are corners, but I mean, more specifically had those, I mean, had you had those two guys, I mean, how much of a difference does that make the last few years when we've been playing true freshmen in the secondary? Mm. Um, 
you know, I, I think you're all over it there. That that that's two huge misses, but I, I don't put that on champ. That both those guys wanted to come to Carolina and the NCAA told them no. Mm. And we all we all know what the NCAA can go do. Yeah, they're full of crap is what they are. But I tell you, I don't think Mike Hughes is piggyback riding Mike Williams into the end zone like Jamarcus King did. Exactly. We might have a little more dignity uh, as a Gamecock fan looking at those taters. Right. Uh, right. That was a beatdown. My God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right. So all that being said, Mr. Blonde, give it to me. We don't have to go too in-depth. But give me your thoughts on the season. I want a prediction right now. What's our record? All right. I'm going to give you a solid one. I want to say between four and six and six and four, I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to go five and five, and I'll just say this kind of follow up. The biggest games are the bookends. I mean, it's Tennessee at home to start the year. It's at Kentucky to finish the year. You win both of those, to me, five and five is your floor because you still got Vandy. Ole Miss, which isn't going to be easy, but we've won the last, I know, two times that we were there. And you still got Missouri with with a new first-year regime, and who knows who's going to be their quarterback. So, I mean, but now if you lose to both Tennessee and Kentucky, I think you're really going to struggle to get to 500. I think you're probably four and six, you know, hopefully, if you lose both of those games. But you know, I mean, again, split them and you're around 500. Pretty much, pretty much, Shaw me. The way I've got it is our wins, I, I'm going, we split Tennessee and Kentucky. We beat Missouri, we beat Vandy, we beat Ole Miss. And I'm going to say we upset and get our first victory over either A&M or Auburn to go to mm-hmm. get the five mm-hmm. wins. And that, and that would good. be, yeah, and that would be losses to either Tennessee or Kentucky. Uh, at Florida, at LSU, Georgia, and either A&M or Auburn at home. I think you're on to something there, Mr. Blonde. I'm not ready to give mine yet because that would that, – then people just stop listening. Cox by 90, they'll say, oh, I don't got to listen to him. He doesn't give out the season prediction. So I will just say I think you're on the right track. I think you're better than the right track. I think you might actually be spot on. But – Got a couple more weeks left. We've seen what happens. Can't afford any more injuries. I'll tell you that. I mean, no doubt. <laughs> we already took the biggest one that we could have possibly had. Oh, so. my God. Tell me about it. I, uh, tough being a Gamecock sometimes, show me. It is, uh, it is very tough. And I, uh, I mean, speaking of being a Gamecock, let's end this up. Tell us just a little bit about yourself, how long you've been a Gamecock fan and you know, I just uh, – let's finish it out with that. I want to hear some Midnight Rider, old Mr. Blonde on the Big Spur Gamecock background. All right, so so I'm 38, um, and I like I said earlier, I, I reside behind enemy lines. And, look, it was horrible before. It's been freaking insufferable the last five years. Uh, my oldest brother graduated from Carolina. Uh, I'm at Furman right now. Uh, my first memory – my first memory is actually the 87. My first memory and my first experience are both pretty negative. My first memory is the 87 Gator Bowl where LSU beat the hell out of us. Um, mm. I was at my grandma's house. I was five years old. And that's how I remember it is that mom and daddy were going to see the Gamecocks. And all I know is my dad came home cussing about 
how bad Todd Ellis sucked. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least that night. Um, and then I'd say, uh, my next greatest memory is 1988 when Robert Brooks caught the one handed catch against Georgia at home in, in the throwbacks that we're wearing now, which I love the greatest uniform ever in my mind. Uh, it's, a little bit rem- it's a little bit reminiscent of Edwards catch at Ole Miss two years ago, except Brooks was actually in the end zone when he caught his. And my <laughs> first game, unfortunately, was a 35-38 loss to the Citadel. Oh, my dad, God. My dad, my dad looked at the schedule and said, I'm going to take my boys to the one game that they're not going to lose. <laughs> an, onside, <laughs> an onside kick and a long ride later, uh, we lost it to the Citadel. But a few other great memories that I was actually in attendance for, er- Eric Camry's fade to beat Mississippi State in 2000. Uh, Sandstorm was born against number four Ole Miss on a Thursday night. Me and my dad were there. That was 08 or 09. And then the first of five in a row, I was there for that one live. Noon kickoff in 09. Mm. Steven Garcia behind center. Spiller gets a mulligan on the opening kick when we tackle him at the 15. And then freaking they they call offsides or something. And he takes the next one back to the house and gives the Heisman pose only to – only to have uh, been sick later in the game and not been able to return. So he wasn't sick when he was doing the Heisman pose, but you know <laughs> that 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 was just absolutely great. I, they might have won the ACC that year. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but just remember watching all the freshman man Gilmore and the Wildcat starting at corner, throwing the bomb to Alshon. Uh, mm. you know, Devontae Holloman got an intercept. Hell, he got an interception every time we played Clemson, and then yeah, DJ right scored. So that's some of my best memories. And yeah, man, I, I'm a Coxman through and through. Uh, love me or hate me. And thanks for having me on, Jeff. It was an absolute pleasure. Dude, this has been a blast, man. I, you know, again, looking back, man, as, as many memories as we created over the past couple months on the round table, this has been a blast, man. I really appreciate you coming on, speaking a little Coxpel to our CB90 followers. And this is, uh, I mean, hey, you know, I appreciate you being the first one. Looking forward to having you back again. And as everybody knows how I finish my show, you want to help me out with it? You want to help me out with let's finish it? Here we go. One, two, three. Let's shake this place. Woo! <laughs> Take it easy, Mr. Blonde. Homie, this shit is basic. Welcome to graduation. Good morning.